1: have Cameron Show 93 3, Real Talk Radio, War Chat TV. Good to have you on board. I didn't get to the second part of that. I need to do that, by the way. Uh, of the Bohannon thing. That's a 15 year show cause penalty for my man, so his career is over. Five years suspension of uh, ever being hired. Three years probation. He gets fined uh, $5,000. But as I said, it's a lifetime ban for my guy, basically. Uh, but. The the last part of that, and I just just because it's too funny, I I meant to get to it last segment and I didn't. The dude that he sent the text to, Hammer. After receiving the uh, the text, he tried to place a one hundred thousand dollar wager on a college baseball game uh, at Bet MGM Sportsbook at the Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati. He walks in and tries to bet hundred thousand dollars and of course the uh the sports book was like no man we we won't do over 15,000 and that seems a lot like i don't think you could even most places you can't get down 15,000 on a college baseball game uh he then attempted to place additional wagers involving the April 28th Alabama LSU game the sports staff declined those wagers citing what they thought was suspicious activity <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The second my man walked in and tried to get down
2: $100,000. <laughs> Good times. That dude is dumb as a post. I, I'd like to think that in the uh, Great American Ballpark Bet MGM Casino that a disheveled Tom Brenneman was there. and Oh, he said, yeah. That dog won't hunt, sir. I don't know why you're trying to do that. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe in San Francisco, they'll let you try something like that. But not here at Great American Ballpark, sir.
1: And there's a drive by Castellanos. That's going to be a home run. <laughs> it's now 6-4. <six> to four. <laughs> That is still one of the great moments in broadcast history. I sincerely apologize. And there's a drive by Castellanos. <laughs>
2: No, I've been a partner of Fox Sports for a long time. You know, this may be my last broadcast. I've very valued partnership I've had with Fox Sports. The only thing that was missing was uh where was Brantley? Jeff um Cowboy. Cowboy. Yeah. Cowboy, what do you think?
1: (laughs) I think you're fired. Uh yeah (laughs) that's a hundred thousand dollars. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and if you're the Alabama coach, that's the other thing, man. Okay, let's say you're you're twisted up in something. I mean, clearly my man was hemmed up in something. He I don't know what's going on there. He's involved in drugs or something. I, I have no idea. But if you're making that much money and then you're trying to get down on a college baseball game by texting your buddy that uh, tonight's starting pitcher isn't a go, uh, again, I, I – You've, you've got self caught up in something. I, I don't know. An ugly divorce, maybe. Maybe it's not insidious. I don't know. But if you're going to do it, there's ways to do it and not get caught. Having a dude roll in with a duffel bag and try to bet $100,000 on a college baseball game ain't it. That's the number one way to get caught. It it reminds me a little bit. This doesn't happen as much anymore, but I remember when Nate Newton had this happen, and it seemed like there was a string of guys that got in trouble for doing the one thing that would guarantee that you get caught transporting drugs in a car. And that would be driving at night with your lights off. Like that, If you remember that? He had his lights off and he got pulled over. It's like not having a proper license plate on your vehicle while transporting meth. Like did, Guys, we gotta do the little things right in order to have big time success around here. If you're transporting 200 pounds of weed, the way that Nate Newton was, you got to turn your lights on. You're just guaranteeing failure, guys. So remember, let's get the lights working out there. In fact, that's one of the first – after you turn the car on, let's turn the lights on, guys. Let's go ahead and do that. I'm going to give you a checklist from here on out.
2: I remember uh, there was a Florida State player about 10, 15 years ago. I I think I know who it is, but I don't want to say it incorrectly. And uh, (laughs) they got pulled over for – well, I mean, could you imagine you attached it to the wrong player? Yeah, yeah, don't do that.
1: Don't do that, yes.
2: So, um, but they were pulled over because the tinting was too dark on their car. Now that's weak. That's weak sauce. You're going to get pulled over because the tint in your car is, is too dark on the scale of that to not turning your headlights on to, ha- to, uh, what was it? Uh, Michael Beasley in Minnesota was driving 120 miles an hour and the car had weed just <laughs> 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 <It was laughs> <Cheech> and <Chong. laughs> your and and Mario Andretti at the same time. Yeah. Like, that's that's poor, but if they're gonna, you know, if they're gonna get you for the tinting. Uh, come on now, Let, let's let's be grown ups. So. I,
1: I have brought this up a million times, uh, and I have talked about like I love those shows. You ever locked up abroad? You watch any of those things? I love those shows when people invariably get in trouble trying to run drugs from one country to another.
2: People locking their wives in a room. <laughs> well
1: played. Uh, locked up abroad is. A lot of fun to watch. And one of the reasons that it's fun to watch is they'll talk to the real person who ended up doing 19 years in Taiwan or something. And you're like, what the hell? So it's always, you know, it's always some guy who doesn't think it through very clearly and then paid a very dear price. And he's looking back on the incident and they recreate it. and And it's vivid. I mean, they do a good job. But every time they get to the part where it's the moment of truth. They're going, you know, they're at the border. That was the last one I just watched. This guy was transporting, uh, it was actually marijuana that he was transporting. And, uh, and, and they had a, they had created an extra compartment underneath the car, right? And they dipped all the bags of weed, or maybe it was 40 kilos, I don't know, of, of cocaine or something. But they dipped the bags uh, in oil so that the drug-sniffing dogs wouldn't be able to smell the the weed or the coke or whatever the hell they were transporting, this guy was transporting. And they had a secret compartment. I thought, well, that's that's ingenious. And this is like the 80s, so all right. But he gets to the border, and he had been warned by the drug kingpin that had him smuggle the drugs, hey, the hardest part isn't going to be the border. It's going to be getting safely from here to the border because – I have rival gangs that will pull you over and kill you. I've got, the police are crooked, so if they pull you over, they'll probably shoot you in the head if they know you're a runner and they're going to take the drugs and sell it for themselves. Or, you know, so, like, if you can make it from here to the border, we're good. We're good because the Border Patrol doesn't really care. So just get there. And my man thinks he's scot-free, gets there. And then, of course, slowly but surely, he starts seeing the officers rolling on up and he's looking in his rear view. And every time they recreate that, my hands get sweaty. I'm like, oh man, that's going to be so uncomfortable because they underestimate a lot of the guys end up getting busted because they're sweating profusely and they're like, you know, their eyes are darting all around like Jimbo being asked a question that he has to give an answer to and he's going to lie. So his eyes just start darting everywhere. That's he he was he could not do it. He couldn't do it. He had the worst tell of anybody I've ever seen. So so-and-so mispractices? No, 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 he didn't. I don't know. Uh and you're like, Jesus, Jimbo, come on. You could be better. Just look at it. Come on. Let's practice a little. But these guys never do, and they get caught and they're all like nervous as hell. And then the cop wasn't even suspicious. He just asked like a normal question. How you doing? I'm fine. I'm doing just fine. <laughs> they're like... Can you step out of the car, brother? We got some issues here. But they all get caught because they can't handle themselves, and it's hilarious every time. And that's the lesson of the thing. my man walks in with a hundred thousand dollars. No, I just feel strongly about college baseball. Really follow it closely. Get somebody that is going to bet six hundred bucks. You know, four hundred bucks at a time in two or three different casinos you know like you can't walk in with a hundred grand and not tip everybody off in the building that this isn't on the
2: up and up it's great american ballpark like what it's not a vegas casino you're going to the ballpark like
1: well it's, it's right there attached kind of it's kind of cool I know, the but they've got
2: like two for one hot dog specials on like a yeah. thursday and you're walking in with briefcases like <laughs> is this Atlantic City (laughs) oh
1: I love it I love it the defensive end that Charlie's referencing in the chat that wants to be a first round pick from West Virginia I want all of my players to want to be first round picks I think that uh, we just watched a guy attempt to go that route as well and um and, and and perhaps successfully having navigated so Jared Verse was his name and I think that's going to happen uh I would also say that You know, Fisk has made himself some money. A lot of guys from a lot of places have come to Florida State and made themselves some money. It is the number one thing that the coaching staff does, which is, I think, develop guys from smaller schools that they bring in and get them to play at an elite level and get them paid. And that's why I keep bringing up the draft right now because that's the next big thing to look forward to. We have the trend in the portal, which has remained consistent now, and the reputation has been made. But if you have a bunch of kids that were portal kids get drafted, you're going to guarantee that you continue to remain as one of the two or three Kings of the portal in college football, because that kids notice that kids notice where the pros come from.
2: Well, and you take a look at any report yesterday, I was looking across different scouting services because this is when you cross over from college media into pro media and everybody's got a draft site but there are a lot of people that attend that are reputable and brand new to the game, to the Senior Bowl in Mobile. and I know that there's both camps going on, but across the board yesterday, when you see top performers for the one team that the Florida State players are on, it's Johnny Wilson, it's Braden Fisk. Both of them had bang up days yesterday where you had dudes reporting that like Johnny's hands are immaculate. He hasn't dropped a thing. So clearly they hadn't watched him in college. But that means that in his workouts yeah, against the elite of college, he's snagging everything. You see he's towards quicks- the Georgia corner. The Georgia corner, you see his quicks off the line of scrimmage. You see how that plays. Some of the moves in the open field, the leverage, that looks great. And then Braden's quickness is what everybody was talking about. But there was one particular rep against an LSU guard who I'm sure was like, really? This guy, again. this guy,
1: again, I've seen enough of this dude. Yeah.
2: So he gets around him and then hip tosses him as he's getting to the quarterback. It was beautiful. So both of them had huge days yesterday. It's going to make them a lot of money. The senior bowl can do that for you. If you're a mid round draft pick, you can make a lot of money in mobile. Yeah. It's important to go to that. And I
1: I was happy to see those guys succeed. These are, again, I've reiterated this a bunch. I've covered a lot of teams for Florida state over the years and there have been teams that were good teams that were bad and everything in between, but this was one of the more likable teams that we've ever covered, that I've ever covered. Again, the guys were good guys, hard workers. They had it together. They were very professional. You know, They had united for this singular purpose. It's a shame they got shafted, but they are a, a group of guys that came from a lot of different places and really bonded and agreed to sacrifice for one another. And so when you see that play out all the time, then you go 13-0, of course, it's exciting, but you want to see those guys have the success because again, this will be, I think, it's to me a signature draft for Mike and Ravel. Like this is going to be his big moment. When you have eight to twelve dudes go in a draft, you're going to get talked about. That's going to stand out. People are going to say, "Well, you can see why Florida State went 13 and 0. They had, you know, this many guys go in the draft, and many of the guys that are at the Senior Bowl." And I started the week by talking about – who who was I talking about? Um, The corner.
2: Jerrion. Jerrion Jones. Jones.
1: My bad. Yeah, he had a really – I mean, kind of a the thought was that he would have a breakout moment because of the speed, the length, the the ability to shift directions. And as a slot corner – a nickel corner, he became a guy that a lot of people were intrigued by. Well – Those players got better when they were here. They all got better when they were here. So Mike is going to win on two fronts. He's going to produce a bunch of guys to the NFL, which just name recognition alone is a big deal, but he's going to get praise for how much better they were having, from the time they entered the program to the time they left it.
2: Yeah, so his first big draft prospect was Jermaine Johnson, uh, because Jermaine, as you recall, that night of the draft, had the, the liner of his suit. One side had Georgia, the other side had Florida State. And I do believe Mike made the trip up there to the draft for that night as well, but that was his first big prospect, but that's not the same thing as his first class. Like This is where I, I totally agree. This is a signature class. You've had Jermaine or Kier or Jamie Robinson, but here it comes. Here's the wave. Here's one of the reasons that you were 13-0 and 0 last year was because of this kind of talent. But the funny part is when we were doing this exercise before the season started, and we were getting to Florida State having 10 players or 12 players, We had some dudes projected to be going that stayed. Like, for example, Fentrell Cypress is one of those, where you'd say, all right, based upon his PFF grade, he comes in here, he takes care of business, he's going to go. Like, straight away, he's gone, he's going to get drafted. Well, he stuck around, and who in his place fills that role? Like, On Jones would not have been one of the top five names we would suggest to say, who is going to be a sleeper that gets drafted? Well, that might very well happen now. And if he gets drafted, and let's say, because Fabo made some waves as well, and I believe it's the East-West, if he gets drafted, man, you're in a keen dent away from being 11 or 12 players that are drafted it's in huge. this year's NFL three days, across three days. And it's going to be spread pretty evenly, too. You'll have Jared in the first round, probably Keon in the first round. So you get a couple of guys on night one, which is important because the kids are watching then. Night two. You're going to have quite a few second and third round draft picks, and then you're going to be scattered about on Saturday as well. This is a really, really good week that's upcoming. I'm excited to cover that again. We haven't had a – we've had the draft party, but we haven't talked about Florida State players in the draft in quite some time. But They're littered all about the three days.
1: Uh, By the way, uh, as we go to break, uh, one more note here. Thank you, Gordon. So would this mean that I'm trying to get away with something if I ask you – how should the body language look? He wrote, I work for CBP. Uh, that immediately I thought to myself, oh, okay. Uh, that's the uh, border protection. Customs and border protection, I believe, is what that stands for, if I remember correctly. And um, you catch them by their body language. You just got to be bold when you're transporting weed illegally, apparently. That's, that's the tip that we got from Gordon in the chat. See, you never know what you're going to learn on the Jeff Cameron Show. 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV.
0: The Jeff Cameron show is a production of the warchant.com multimedia network. Check out warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk
1: 93.3. Standing it's Jeff Cameron Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio Warchant TV. Let's quickly let's quickly get to this uh sad to report that uh, Mike Martin has passed away. And we we certainly knew um, that this sad day was approaching. Um, when we got news not too long ago that he was in hospice care, um, my thoughts go out to his family and his friends and certainly to everybody affected uh, by the loss of Coach Martin, who uh, was, a, a, you know, all-time winningest college baseball coach for, for starters. But that's not what's important he was a very very good man and a kind man uh and somebody that uh i'm forever indebted to uh he was good to me um so selfishly i i bring that up because uh having had the great fortune of uh, covering him and talking to him uh a lot uh in my career i he was nothing but uh, a class act um all of the times that we ever spoke and so uh Certainly rest in peace to, to Mike Martin and uh, what a career it was, right? And you'll, you'll certainly hear a lot of people uh, begin to talk about those numbers. And when you go back and look at them, uh, they're gaudy. They're, they're, you know, we know that unfortunately the national championship, the final game eluded him, uh, in, at least as a victor. Uh, but he accomplished everything else there was to accomplish in baseball. Um, and so not just a, a, a great coach, but a great man and somebody who did an awful lot, certainly, for Florida State University. So uh, we, we send our condolences. I say we, those of us here on the Jeff Cameron Show, and uh, anybody who works with me and, and had the good fortune of, of meeting 11, knowing 11, and um, getting to talk to him a little bit about baseball or anything else for that matter. He certainly was always welcoming. So we're attempting now. I think, you know, I, I, I'm looking back at it. I'm thinking about the the first time that I ever got a chance to talk with him. And there's some other guys that uh, are in the media, of course. My buddy Eric Llewellyn. Corey Clark is another guy. We've all had uh, the good fortune of talking to uh, Mike Martin a whole bunch. And my favorite conversations with him uh, were usually not about baseball. Just life stories and interesting anecdotes. And uh, I remember having the good fortune of talking to him after many series and we would be talking baseball. And then the next minute we weren't talking baseball at all. We were talking about uh, kids or grandkids or golf or something entirely different. And it was, it was always fun. Um, I think we're trying to track down there. You see on the screen, if you're watching the Jeff Cameron show uh, right now on Warchant TV, you see the release from FSU baseball today. We mourn with the Martin family, the passing, of a wonderful husband, father, grandfather, and baseball coach. Rest in peace, 11. That was tweeted out moments ago by FSU Baseball. Um, That Sums it up nicely. Sums it up nicely. Uh, I think we're efforting to bring in somebody here. I don't know. Tom, are we going to go with? uh,
2: We are efforting to bring in Eric Llewellyn, uh, play-by-play voice for Florida State for years and years. Uh, We're going to lock him down on the phone. Uh, it's going to be a phone interview, but um, Eric is communicating back with me right now, so we will have him on. And uh, man, among the people that uh, knew Mike Martin uh, in the last 15 years, 20 years, Eric Allen is right at the top of that list, making a lot of road trips with him. I can remember working in the uh, the booth back at uh, the old radio station for weekday and weekend baseball games yeah. where Eric Allen and Tom Block shared the the duties as the play-by-play voice, and Eric took over. As the full-time voice, um, his thoughts are going to be valuable on a day like today, where it's a tough day to be a Florida State Seminole.
1: Uh, he's here with us right now. In fact, we were just texting as well. And uh, Eric, uh, sad to talk to you under these circumstances, but uh, buddy, I've worked with you and known you for a very long time. And in all those years, we certainly have a lot of remembrances of of one Mike Martin. You more so than probably anybody we could reach out to today, given your role as play-by-play announcer and. Uh, I don't know where you want to start, buddy. Other than hey, I, I hope you're hanging in there. I know how much you loved Mike Martin.
3: Um, yeah, it you know it feels like we've had a lot of time to prepare for this, but it it doesn't make it any easier when you when you hear about it.
1: It does not. Um, if I I don't you know I just got done saying uh that my memories of him have less to do with baseball, and obviously we know what a great baseball coach he was, and the numbers speak for themselves there, and we're going to hear a lot about those numbers and read a lot about those numbers uh, throughout the week, I'm sure, as we discuss the legacy of Mike Martin at Florida State and and all of his successes, but uh, I think most people who know him know him uh, tend not to talk about the baseball aspect of it. What is your, I guess, fondest memory, if you would, or where you would like to start in, in assessing who Mike Martin was?
3: Well, you know, it's funny, um, some of those, uh, when you start thinking about fond memories, it was, you know, obviously we talked Florida State baseball a lot, on the record, off the record, all of those things, but there were a lot of just baseball conversations in there and not, and conversations that had nothing to do with Florida State and remembering, uh, you know, major leaguers, guys that I grew up watching that, that were, in that same age group as him and and hearing stories about those guys and, and guys that I watched whose paths he'd run across and um, remembering things like that. And, and all of those talks that, you know, that's what I'll remember most about him. Um, You know, there were occasions where I I would ride home with him after road games. And uh, you know, if he was in a good mood, Turn on the music and and sing along with various random songs that you that would come on, and you'd be like, "How does Coach Martin know the words to that song?" <laughs> uh, and, you know, and it, 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 it's stuff like that 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 really, you know, the, the 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 more human side and not the coach side of it. Uh, that that's the kind of stuff that really will always stick out to me.
1: I remember one time talking with him after a particularly uh, feisty series with Miami in which both benches nearly cleared and there were a lot of contentious moments, and he was so passionate as we were talking about it, and we were off the record. This is the old 1270 days, Eric, and I yep. was on the phone with him trying to prep to get him on for that afternoon, and we're going back and forth, and we're talking about this and talking about that, and I'm asking him questions, and and then somehow, some way it turned into another question about uh, a swing, and that turned into a question about golf. And the next thing I knew, we were talking about PGA Tour events and certain aspects of golf, yeah. which would lead you down another path, which you'd get to see another side of the man. And those were the fun moments, like you're describing.
3: Yeah. Uh, you know, the, everybody uh, and everybody who ever played for the man can, can do an impression of him. And he had just the, the, the distinct way that he spoke. Um, you, you never you never mistook his voice for somebody else's voice. You could you could hear a video message that was being played, not see it, and you knew immediately it was eleven. Mm-hmm. And even on a more personal level, he had you know people call me Eric, people call me Lulu. He he had a way of
1: Lou. He, <laughs> yeah,
3: exactly that. And 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 it was it was a greeting. It was both a greeting and a goodbye that that he would use it, and um, but yeah, just the way he would say that, and I can I can still hear I can still hear that in my head right now, and it's um, you know, that's that's something.
1: It's very distinctive, and it, it'll be etched there for everybody. Um, yeah. the, the 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 ability to recall that you're right, and uh, how many times, you know, I I would like to point out that eleven always handled with great class and dignity uh the moments in which they were defeated yeah uh and for a man who was as fiercely competitive as he was we know that the national championship eluded him it was the only thing that eluded him he won everything else there was to win and we know how desperately he wanted to win it but in the moments that he didn't in the moments that the season ended i never once caught a hint or a whiff of pettiness or bitterness he was always the first to point out what the other team did well in order to win. Uh, and he didn't make excuses for it. And uh, so when we talk about a class act, we're talking about on and off the field.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And, and he was, you know, he he was every bit the, the person that you saw in his public appearance, in his public outings, in the the public facing moments. He was, he was that privately too. I mean, he, you know, there wasn't a turn it off, turn it on kind of thing. It, that, that was just 11. That's who he was. And, uh, you know, I, I used to have to grab him after games, after losses and try to get him, uh, recorded, you know, a, a minute's worth of stuff. And, um, he never, you know, he he never made that uncomfortable to, mm. have to do, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, it, that's truly a gift that he had. And, um, you know he's uh, a man of he, he just man, he you know he was just he was 11 that that I, you know I I don't I don't have a better way of describing him.
1: There's a moment that uh, I caught on video and others did too, and I, I will always remember this. And I it makes me smile when I go back and watch it. You know how uh, these days all of our devices remind us of anniversaries of things, and a picture will pop up. Well, the Rhodes Series at LSU to go to the College World Series, the super, the regional, and, and going and watching that and seeing them win and being there for the, for the extra innings hit and standing behind home plate, I was filming uh, when that happened. And there is this wonderful, wonderful moment that I will always choose to remember, and I'm glad I have it on videotape and I'll go back and watch it today, of they get the winning single, runner slides home safe, They win. The celebration pours out of the dugout, and Mike Martin Jr. gets out of the dugout and then stops himself and turns around to walk back and shake his dad's hand. It's it's a beautiful moment, and it's this since it could give you chills when you watch it. It's like he caught himself, and he wanted to go say, good job to dad, and share that together. And it's the way I want to choose to remember when I think back on these moments of eleven, like that one there between father son was outstanding. And yeah. you probably have a countless number of those.
3: Yeah, I you know I, I I remember one thing distinctly: the the respect that the 2019 team showed to him. Uh, the final home game when they played a, a video message,
1: mm-hmm.
3: um, a video tribute to eleven and the entire team lining up on the the first baseline to watch it together, uh, shoulder to shoulder, side by side, and and watching that tribute to 11 um, his last time at Hauser. And uh, that was, you know, that was something. I I remember the end of that game getting choked up over, you know, just the the details of that being the last time that he was going to coach a game at at Hauser. And uh, then, man I, I i just and i'm off the air at this time it was a break or something i don't i don't remember what was going on but when they lined up and did that man i i just i I'd lost it mm. and the the team was on the foul line the coaches were all shoulder to shoulder right behind the team and everything about it was just it was just absolute love and respect for that man um and i, I think that was a great encapsulation of of how those guys all felt about him.
1: Well, I know it's a difficult day, Eric, and I appreciate you making the time to come on here and, and talk with me about 11. Uh, I thought of you first, actually. Um, so, again, thanks for doing this, buddy, and it was yeah. great to hear you. I'm sorry the circumstances are what they are, but we needed to hear your insights, so uh, be well, sir. All right, man. Thanks. Right, take care. That's uh, Eric Llewellyn, play-by-play man, radio voice of 4 State Baseball. Uh, you know, it's, it's baseball, oddly uh, – it marks the time with uh, when it comes to when I think about radio, when I think about my career or people I've worked with, and that is because my first boss in radio was Lee Bowen, who was the play-by-play voice for Florida State Baseball. And the reason I bring that up is that when I first got hired to do this job, he and I would talk about Florida State Baseball for hours and hours. And what would have to happen? For, for us to to get out there to Omaha and win it. What what the good, the bad, and everything in between, and we would debate it. And I remember that first year that I was at Clear Channel, and he told me that morning, hey, we, we go tomorrow to go see 11. And I had never interviewed him, and I had never talked to him. And I was nervous. And I drove over with Lee, and we were going to talk about the upcoming season, And Eleven was going to hold court for us, and he was going to talk to us about who was at what position, and he was going to give us a rundown of the team. And uh, when I walked in the room, he was kind of a larger-than-life guy, and I was nervous, very nervous, and he put me at ease instantly and welcomed me to the beat and said, uh, you know, I'll have to to listen. And I said, well, I'll have to have you on. I I can't wait. And he was – class and it was awesome and we talked baseball me lee bowen and mike martin for over an hour that morning he didn't have to do that he didn't have to give us an hour but he did and it was awesome and there are a ton of people who don't work in media who were just fans of the team of the game of his who he did that with as well and he would go and and hang out and and just talk with you if he had the time he would he would make it and he would listen to you and he'd look right at you and you knew he was engaged. We have to take a quick break. Jeff Cambridge, Show, ninety-three-three, Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Hey, Seminoles, we all know how important it is to score in the red zone, but are you prepared for success in the retirement red zone? Five years leading up to your retirement date and the immediate five years after are a critical time of thoughtful planning for you and your family. And our friend and fellow Noel, Adam Tolliver, and his team at Artisan Financial Strategies are prepared to coach you to victory. Some of us, well, we're at midfield and want to plan ahead. Others are ready to punch it in on the goal line. Whether making sure you know how much you can spend without running out of money, protecting yourself and your family against rising health care costs, or carefully planning your legacy, the Artisan team brings a combined 30-plus years of planning experience and world-class resources to help you navigate the way. For more information, just head over to KnollRetirement.com. Now, that's one word – well, for to answer some questions that are there, James, that, that James B, that was Mike Martin. That that was Mike Martin that said we're talking about Jameis Winston. And if we had, um, if we were at the old studio, we had all those sound bites. Um, eleven was a walking sound bite. That guy, you could usually, if you wanted to, you could, you could any press conference after any series, after any regular season midweek, didn't matter. You know, you you could get a sound bite out of eleven. Um, and that, some of those that we used over the years, uh, I'm I'm very partial to. Uh, we, <laughs> I was just thinking about the ones we've used over the years. Yeah, I got a I got a funny story. Uh, Matt Millar, my my old producer and, and still dear friend, he and I were laughing so hard about Lee Boeing ha Lee Bowen having to say to Mike Martin. Uh, something about JD Cockrop, the pitcher for uh for Miami and the way he put the emphasis at a certain par on the last name. I almost envisioned Eleven trying to keep from laughing. <laughs> we were <laughs> and Matt and I Oi. And we, we kept thinking about that over and over again with Martin's draw, that North Carolina draw it was great. And I wish we would have had that soundbite. Uh I I'm smiling more than I am. Um <laughs> That's uh I'm smiling more than I am sad in that, you know, what a life and, and amazing accomplishments and an amazing family. So you can't ask for anything more. I'm it's obviously sad that he's passed, but I've got a lot of very fond memories of uh conversation, sound bites and the like. Good times.
2: I can remember that we're talking about Jameis Winston interview. Um it might have been Mark Schwartz, I forget who the interviewer was. But it was happening live on SportsCenter, Center. we were at the uh, the four-letter radio station at that time. And as it, ha- it was in the morning, and as it happened, uh, you you yelled out, "Get that audio! Get that audio right now!" Because yeah. it was just it was perfect. It was exactly how we all felt about Jameis the the athlete at that yeah. point. We're talking about you know, Jameis Winston. I mean, <laughs> like, yeah. So what? We're down ten at the break in 2014. <sighs> we're talking about Jameis Winston. You know, like. <laughs> There was a reverence in his voice that we all kind of shared for the, for the ability that, that Jameis had. And uh, I can recall one of my fondest memories um, is uh, Corey Dowler, who covered Florida yeah. State baseball yeah. forever and a day. He and I were covering. He was good at it, too. On, he was. On the same site, we were covering, uh, covering Florida State for, I think, two seasons. And one of the days, he, he went down and he'd shoot photos, and he said, come on down and join me in the camera well. You won't believe how different it sounds during a ball game." For a little bit because lavender during the ball game was, I mean, he would make the paint peel off the walls if things weren't going his way. Mm-hmm. Or he felt like, you know, he was getting squeezed a little bit on a few calls. So the fiery and intense manager for the nine innings was one dude that I didn't know about until I got down there into the camera well. And a lot and his players can speak to that better than I ever could. But then anytime, win or lose, you get into the first base dugout, which is for all where all those interviews took place for those years. And he was the best, simply the best. And I I can think of no better Noel because, as I've often said, you know, during the beginning of baseball season, there's crossover with basketball. So a lot of times we'd be at the Civic Center for a game. We pop over, catch the final five, six innings, and he'd be like, how'd we do? You know, because the internet wasn't wasn't in his dugout. He didn't have the, the information in his dugout. How'd we do? And win or lose, if it was win, the interview would start in about 10 seconds. He's like, okay, let's go. And if it's lost, you'd be like, how?
1: Yeah, he wanted, he wanted to know what happened. Yeah. Well, go, what happened? Mm-hmm. What
2: happened? And you'd mm-hmm. and have to explain. And then he needed a second to be mad about that. And then he'd begin the interview. It just um, he was so unique. He was in all of the things 15 years now of covering Florida State. Mike Martin was singular and he's unique. And, and my heart hurts for his family, all of his family. I'm sorry. For
1: the loss, yeah. I've had the, the good fortune certainly of, of meeting them and, and knowing them, and uh, I, I agree with you. Um, I, I you know, I, I don't know if I ever shared this, but it's certainly appropriate to do so now. You know, Tom, you recall just how because you that's where you started as an intern. Uh, the, the budget, if you will, for 1270 it wasn't mm. exactly robust. Uh, no. I, I don't even know that I could call it a budget. We didn't have a budget, there were zero dollars in our budget. Uh, when we would walk in the parade, they would, you know, you had handmade signs that like Eric and I drew <laughs> like that, that's a, you know, or Matt Millar or whatever. Why do I bring this up? Well, here's an act of kindness from Mike Martin. Uh, you know, I'm passionate about Florida State baseball. I love Florida State baseball and opinionated about Florida State baseball. And, and I've, I've ripped them when they've been bad and loved on them when they've been good and defended them when they needed defending and all everything in between. But he... They made it to Omaha. They'd won a won the Super Regional, and I wanted to go to Omaha. And I I didn't. I wasn't making a lot of money. This is early in my career, and 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 there certainly was no budget. And uh, Mike Martin uh, was able to ensure that I could get out to Omaha, and mm-hmm. and was responsible for me being able to get out to Omaha. And uh, you know, I I'll obviously never forget that. I, I went out there, and what an experience! That was the first time I'd ever gone to Omaha. I've only been twice um but his he he got me out there and uh and when he found out I wasn't going to be able to go or that they couldn't afford to let us go he he pitched in that's pretty amazing and uh very cool because you know I mean we weren't we weren't golfing buddies or something you know he, I was just a guy that talked about the team
2: he um I, I made the roadie down to Gainesville a few times for those games and and I know that Miami had its own special wrinkles and There's some great stories uh, about what went on behind the scenes with Miami, Mm -hmm. but he hated Florida and I loved him for that. I loved him so much for that. There was one game where we ended up losing, but I remember Justin Gonzalez um, hit one basically into the O'Connell center. Uh, It was just a bomb and the place went silent. Then it came back to life again. They end up winning and he does the interview down the, the right field line. And he starts with, had a very good crowd here tonight. <laughs> Seems like that's about the only time that there is a good crowd is when we come to town. Anyway, let's start. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Any little thing, you know, that, that kind of petty that's in all of us with our rivals, man, he had that. And Link Jarrett is a Knoll, so that helps. But I, there's something about the way Mike Martin was the way uh, he hated Florida, yeah but it's just all those things yeah. you know he, he was so much like us he was so much like us and he sat in that position you know um not to compare him to any of the other coaches i'm not trying to do that but but i don't know that any of the other legends because we've had a lot of long tenure coaches here have felt the way about being a knoll like even down to the petty stuff like that well of course he played Martin here did. yeah
1: and, and 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 that'll do it uh but you know i would also point out to echo your your sentiment or your observation, that was real. He wouldn't get gas in Gainesville. He didn't want to add to their economy. He he legitimately would not get gas in Gainesville. Like, well, we're gonna have to make it out of here. I don't. We're not getting gas here. <laughs> that's so hilarious. That still makes me laugh. That's that's fantastic.
2: Well, and there's a story. You know it better than me because you told me. So it's third hand. But apparently, the night that Jameis won the Heisman. He was up there in New York. I know.
1: I know Mike Martin Jr. was, and I think Mike Martin Senior. was. Yes,
2: hanging with Spurrier, which they're the perfect opposites of each other, the perfect polar opposites. Mike was classier. Don't get me wrong. Mike was a hell of a lot classier. But you talk about like any little advantage I can have over my rival or anything I can dig them for. That's who Eleven was, and obviously he was somebody who sent how many players to how many professional organizations. Yeah untold millions of dollars like it just wow what what a life and what a career what a knoll.
1: he was a two-time baseball america coach of the year a six-time metro conference coach of the year a seven-time acc coach of the year a nine-time acc regular season champion those years 96 98 99 and 2012 four-time Metro regular season champion 86 89 90 91 eight-time ACC tournament champion uh that's 95 97 0, 02 0, 04 10 15 17 and 18 11-time Metro tournament champion his overall record 2029 wins to just 736 losses and four ties um yeah and of course he played here and was an assistant here before he was the head coach and for those of you that go way back you remember that he was a basketball coach at Godby as well as Tallahassee Community College so he was a sports guy through and through and a wonderful athlete so um, you know those numbers don't mean as much as the man but they're impressive and think about the guys that uh, that he coached you mentioned it Uh, Golden Spikes Award winners. And, you know, then you throw in the likes of, you know, JD Drew, Doug Minkavich, Paul Wilson, Wink Jarrett, Buster Posey. We could go on and on and on. John Ford Griffin, just so many. Uh, To name a few there, the legends of the game, and many of whom went on to have an incredible career. And back in 18 is when he surpassed Augie Garrido for most wins ever uh, in the college game. And uh, he will be remembered fondly by all who ever met him or barely knew him, even in the slightest, we say today on the Jeff Cameron Show and throughout Seminole Nation, I'm sure, rest in peace, Mike Martin.
2: Director Matthew had a uh, beautiful thought that as we sign off in the next couple of minutes that uh, for the radio audience, especially, there will be 11 seconds of silence before the show uh, ends today. Out of respect for Mike Martin, there'll be more. um, I know that our own Corey Clark um, will want to weigh in on this and, and perhaps you and Corey and Lulu and Chip Baker and some other uh, Florida state legends can speak on, on the legacy of Mike Martin.
1: Yeah. Hoping to do that. We're going to observe those 11 seconds right now. In fact,